she pulled me into on Sunday afternoons was to watch a certain movie. And I had seen it at least 25 times. And I really, do you know, can you guess what a pastor likes to do on Sunday afternoons? Take a nap. <clears throat> so we had this deal. I said, she'd say, she'd say Daddy, Daddy, let's watch, let's watch this movie, my favorite movie. I really want to watch it. I say, okay, honey, but I'm really tired. She says, that's okay. You can sleep, but I'll wake you up for the good parts. I want to show you the good parts. And you'll probably recognize this movie, uh, but uh, these are the good parts. Um, but there's also a part to this movie that is, is uh, really uh, teaches. And it, every time I watch it, it would kind of catch my heart. Kevin, of course, is the, is the Colleen McCoughlin, is the, kind of the main star. Uh, but there was a, supposedly a snow shovel murderer in his neighborhood that all the kids were afraid of, right? And as he's home alone, he ends up going to a church. And there's this wonderful scene that has a line that just kind of... Well, it's really apropos for tonight, but it always kind of grabs me. We'll, we'll catch this scene from uh, Kevin and the, the scary neighbor. Merry Christmas. May I sit down? You live next to me, don't you? You can say hello when you see me. You don't have to be afraid. Been a good boy this year? I think so. You swear to it? No. Yeah, I had a feeling. Well, this is the place to be if you're feeling bad about yourself. I'm in kind of a pain lately. I said some things I shouldn't have. I really haven't been too good this year. Yeah. I'm kind of upset about it because I really like my family. Even though sometimes I say I don't. Sometimes I even think I don't. Do you get that? I think so. How you feel about your family is a complicated thing. Especially with an older brother. Deep down, you always love them. But you can forget that you love them. And you can hurt them and they can hurt you. And that's not just because you're young. Families are complicated. Isn't that true? <laughs> Families are really, really complicated. Part of what complicates families is that we get into habits. And that's part of what I want to talk about tonight. We get into habits of how we interact. We get into roles. We get into usual kind of reactions. When I was a kid growing up, we used to go to Thanksgiving, which many of you are headed towards soon, up in Greenville at Grandma's house. And you could tell time by what was going on. We had one aunt who would come and she would only bring a jar of olives. Everybody else, of course, would make all sorts of stuff, but she would bring a jar of olives. That would get the uncles to grumbling a little bit about what was going on. They'd throw a comment here and a comment there, but we'd get through dinner. That would be just about, uh, that would be okay. But then after dinner, this same aunt would gather her kids and their dog, and they would take, take them both for a walk. And, of course, she would then miss out on cleaning up the kitchen with the other ants. Now, I'm sorry, that's a little patriarchal because the guys were all sitting in the living room watching the lions lose at that point. But she would take off with the, the kids of the dog and that would get the uncles grumbling a little more, 
right? And they start to throw more comments about how this certain aunt wasn't doing anything. And then she'd come back and she'd hear some of those comments. And, and then she'd pack up the kids and she'd get some food, which would get the uncles grumbling even more because all she brought was some olives. And she'd pack a bunch of food up to, for the trip back to Detroit. And she'd be out the door and Grandma would be standing at the, at the door crying. And you could almost guarantee it's about 310. And that's part of what happens in families is we get to places where we, we, start, we, start, I, I, we start walking and it starts as a path. And then it becomes a well-worn path. And then as you walk a little more, it becomes, it becomes a trench. And then sometimes you, you, you run those same paths, those same habits, those same reactions to things so that it's, you almost can't see each other you know, because it's become so deep. I get, every once in a while, as I counsel with, with families, uh, they'll say to me, after we've had a couple sessions, I'll say, well, this happens in your arguments, and this happens in your arguments, and this happens in your arguments, and they go, have you bugged our house? Well, no. I mean, I've heard enough that I kind of know how it goes. I know your story of how you act and how you react one with another. In fact, once in a while, I'll get somebody who'll come into my office, and they'll say, Pastor Dan, um, my spouse won't come for marriage counseling, so um, there's no hope, right? Do you know what I say to him? I mean, if the, if the spouse won't come in for marriage counseling, you can't possibly do anything to help the couple, right? Do you know what I look at him and say? I say, absolutely wrong. And you know why? Because it only takes one person to jump up out of the trench to change the whole thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? See, I think in my family, if somebody had said to my one aunt, hey, you know, I really appreciate you bringing the olives, and, and uh, I'm just glad you make this long trip from Detroit, and you've got young kids, and can I go on the walk with you? She would have went, huh? Deer in the headlights. And my uncles would have went, you traitor. And, but it would have changed everything. It would have stopped that usual reaction. And that's what I'm going to kind of go for with you all tonight. It's been hinted at already that if we change our reaction, if we change how we are in the family habits, in the family system, so to speak, it automatically changes everything. It doesn't make it perfect. It doesn't solve everything. But it will change stuff. Now, here's another part of it that you have control over, so to speak, that you can work on, and that's your role in the family. How many of you realize you have a role in the family? We all have some kind of role. We may or may not have named it. We may or may not have understood it completely. In fact, as we mature and as we get older, that's what I do with seminary students, is try to help them understand their role in the family <laughs> so they don't take that role into the church as a pastor. Um, but if we understand our role, then we can start to understand what our reactions are and what forces are working at us. Let me give you my own example of a role. Um, before I was born, my mom had a dog. Its name was Dan. At the same time, my aunt was pregnant with my cousin, whose name is Tim. Guess who was supposed to be born first? Tim. Guess what his name was supposed to be? Dan. 
Why? Because both my aunt and my mom wanted to name their kid after a dog. Guess what I did? I came early, 3 pounds, 12 ounces, a lot of years ago, and I, guess what? I won, and I came in first, and I got to be named after a dog. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> but here's the, re- here's the more serious rest of the story. Before me, my mom lost a baby, and she died. Same thing, born too young, didn't make it. So, when I gained a quarter of an ounce, the party, the family had a party because it looked like it, maybe I would live. So guess what I did? I saved the family. Right? I saved the family by staying alive. Guess what I do for a living now? I'm a pastor. Guess what I do? I'm supposed to go around saving people. Do you think maybe my role imprinted me a little bit? You think I had to learn to understand that? To be healthy within being a pastor? So here's, here's a question we're going to move into. What, what kind of roles, what kind of role do you maybe have in the family? Okay, I'm going to pull you back together. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Awesome. Boy, it sure sounded like you had a, some great uh, discussions going on, unless you were talking about the football game or something. Uh, you really were kind of rolling on the role idea. That's fantastic. I want to take us a next step uh, in thinking about how families kind of work habitually together and kind of get in these reaction modes and kind of follow the same patterns. Um, I've been a pastor for 20-some years, I taught before I went into pastoring, so I, I've been at people stuff for quite a while. But as a, as a, as a teacher who um, went to seminary, can you guess what happened when a lot of my kids uh, figured out when they got to a certain age and started to think about getting married, guess who they called to do their wedding? Hey, Mr. Gillette, he's a pastor now. He can do our wedding. So I did tons and tons of weddings, and I have since done tons and tons of weddings. Let me tell you something. I have never done anything even close to a stress-free wedding. (laughs) Bridezilla, royal weddings, yes, never even close, never even close to a stress-free wedding. Do you want to know what the reason for that is? Is a thing called homeostasis. It's a big word. You may run into it in some of your classes. But it's the idea that systems want to stay the same. The idea that systems want to stay the same. And your family is a system, and it wants to stay the same. Now, when somebody tries to change a system, guess what happens? Stress. The, the system reacts with stress because it wants to stay the same. Now, here's part of the challenge. You are going home, and what's happened in the last few months? You have changed. By definition, just being in college, you are coming back, you're re-entering your family system different because you're now, instead of a high school student, you're a college student. So things are different. Guess, like was talked about by our, our parents here, and I can attest to it as well, guess what parents really want? 
we want our baby to always stay our baby. You know, it doesn't matter how old you get. You're still our baby. We want you to be. My son is six foot five. I still remember when he was, well, he never was really little, but I still remember when he was little. And I, I don't want, how many of you heard, have heard from your parents, I don't want you to change. I don't want you to go, right? That's not just in families. Anytime a system is changed, anytime that pressure comes on it, homeostasis is threatened, and stress is a result. Now, before we go on to talk a little more about stress, I want you to take just a couple of minutes to think together, um, again, in some small groups, about how you've changed the most. Now, I'm, I'm asking you again, you know, you don't have to talk, you don't have to share, but... but Think about taking a, a little deeper step in sharing with folks around you. But think about, in, well, here's the question, all right? Think about the way, the biggest change in you since you last spent significant time at home. I'm gonna, just, just stop and think for a second before I, tur- I turn you loose. But what's the biggest change in you since you last spent significant time at home? for a second I, I know that was a deep question and you could kind of stick that one in the back of your brain and think about that for a while because that, that is really a pretty heavy one let me do, let me do a little, little more teaching about another area and then I'm going to see if you have some questions before we, we kind of head towards the okay so now what, we, what do we do with all this information how do we, how do we step into you know, maybe going back into the system differently okay there are, um, I'm, I, you may get this in a much more complicated setting in your psychology class or even your anatomy and physiology class, but there are really two sections to our brain, the reptilian brain and the mammalian brain, parts of it, so to speak. The reptilian brain is that, that part of the brain that reacts. It, 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 it has the fight-or-flight section in it, and it tends to react to certain situations. When it's faced with stress, when it's faced with a fearful situation, it just reacts. The mammalian part of the brain is the rational part of the brain, God's gift to us to be able to think and think carefully. Now, part of the problem is in family habits, in family reactions, oftentimes we get into these habits and we stay in the reptilian part of our brain. You don't even have to think one bit about how to react to certain things in your family. My daughter said, uh, she wrote a song, and she talked about a, a friend she had that she's really close to. And, she's, and in the song, she says, you know, I know how to push your buttons, and you don't know how to push mine. Doesn't that describe our families? We know exactly where to push to get a reaction. It doesn't take long. You could list everybody in your family, and you know exactly what kind of button to push and what thing to say, and you can set them off just like that, right? And you can do that for everybody in your family. Now, here's the thing. Everybody in your family can do the same thing with you, right? And the problem is, is when they push our buttons, and we push each other's buttons, like Kevin, uh, Kevin's neighbor said, families are a complicated thing, then we start to react rather than think rationally. And it's in the thinking rationally that we can jump out of the reactionary, the, the channels that we have dug, so to speak. We can jump up out of those things and start to 
to interact in different ways. The hard part, the hard part is it's so easy for us to go back to that instinctive part, that reaction part that, that kind of just kicks in. How many times have you gotten into a fight with somebody in your family and you kick yourself, you know, walking away from it saying, I was, I was not going to do that anymore. Or maybe you're saying, well, yeah, I really like to do it, so it's kind of fun. I do it a lot. But we, you know, when we try to, to stay in this mammalian part of our brain, there's that reptilian part that's there just ready to grab us and poke us and put us into that. Now, that's that next part I wanted to teach before we start to turn the corner. But before we turn the corner, do you have you know, a question that you're saying, explain this to me, or yeah, but, or, or what about this, or, you know, you really got me thinking, and, and so I really would like to know about this, and I, I can try to answer it. Yes, sir? Um, the question was, Mom, no matter how much I've, I've come home, Mom still wants to, wants to make me the, the kid and keep me at home, and, am, I, and I'm say, am I saying it well? And what's a graceful way to step out of that, so to speak? That's a great question. First, you need to thank your older brothers and sisters for all their work. You think I'm kidding. Because <laughs> they paved the way for you to have probably a lot more freedom than, than, than they had, and you can ask them about that. And at the same time, they need to thank you because you're playing cleanup. They really do, because, you know, you're the, la- you're the last great hope uh, vestige that things will stay the same. The answer is to figure out a way beforehand, and it was hinted at the very beginning, to figure out beforehand how you might, I mean, you know how, they're gonna, how mom's going to push the button to kind of keep you there. The question is, before you get there, can you think of a way to stay in the mammalian brain to rationally get to that spot? And I'm not going to answer any more than that because actually we've designed the whole rest of this evening to start to answer that. <laughs> so I don't want to give away all our thunder because that's where we're headed. But that just proves it's a great question, by the way. What you saw enacted was the normal reaction going on, reptilian brain starting to kick in, and then what happened? Step back, sit down, go to the mammalian rational section, and come from a whole different place. What was the effect? Jumped up out of the trenches, and everything changed. Now, this kind of stuff works. It only takes one person stepping out of the trenches, getting up on top of the trench and going, you know, I've been thinking and I'm kind of wondering. And you get this deer in the headlight look from everybody else in the system going, huh? Wait a minute. This isn't how it's supposed to work. Time out. Huh? Right? Now, it does work but it's hard. Do you guys ever say amen around here? <laughs> That'd be a good place for it, right? It works, but it's really, really, really hard. 
Why is it hard? Because it's so easy for people to push our buttons. Why is it hard? Because we've been doing it for so long. Why is it hard? Because we've been in a system that reacts a certain way. And it is very, very difficult to step out and do that. Now, most psychologists will tell you that the first step in making this kind of change is awareness. And that's what we've done the first part of tonight, is we helped raise your awareness about the situation and helped you see the possibility of a different way of doing things. So the first step, the first step is awareness. The next step, which is a very hard step, is to catch yourself. You know what I'm talking about? Is as you start to get into the reaction to all of a sudden catch yourself and go, oh, wait a minute. Remember the old, the old saying about counting to 10? That's actually pretty wise advice. If you can catch yourself, that's a, that's a big step in the process. To say, hey, I, awareness of the situation, level one. Level two is to catch yourself in the midst of the reaction and stop yourself and say, oh yeah, that's right. The hard part is that that reptilian brain kicks in so easily, doesn't it? You know, how many times do you think this family unit, if it was a real family unit, would have gone through that kind of same thing? Right? The, The third step then is responding differently. And notice I said responding rather than reacting. The, the, next, the third step then is responding differently. To take a deep breath, to count to ten, to think about how you want to respond and to stay in the rational part. How tough is that to do? It's pretty tough. It's pretty tough to do, to be able to be in that place where you where you step back and catch, remember, step one, awareness, step two, catch yourself, step three, respond in a different way. Now, you know your family system. What's the biggest button you face? After you walk in the door, after you do whatever kind of greeting your family does, after you get your stuff stowed and start back into the family life, what's the first big button you're going to face? Where does it usually start? Can you think now, here, in the calmness of this place and with your friends, about how you might respond differently? Can you think about that now? Can you think about how you might respond differently? This takes creativity. It takes thinking about it in a new way. Sometimes humor helps a lot. Sometimes the surprise move helps a lot. You know, I think probably if they had acted this out even more realistically, what might have happened is when Sun sat down and said, 
your right dad, dad probably falls off chair and faints. <laughs> and sometimes you could do that surprise move. When sister pushes your button and knows she's going to get a reaction, or he pushes your button and you know what's going to go, or mom says, this is the way it's going to be, you know, to say you're right, or, boy, I'd kind of rather do this because it would be more fun and go in the direction of their situation, of their unrealistic demand, and actually go the extra mile, take the extra step, and they go, huh? Because sometimes, well, let, me, let me tell you a story. There were, I serve First Reformed Church of Holland. Do any, any of you have any sense of what that means? I'll send you pictures of Chris in a robe if that helps, because he preached for me this morning. Okay? This church founded the city of Holland. So there's a little bit of tradition there. And there was a guy named Paul when I got there that every year at the congregational meeting would get up and he would, he would give the same speech about the budget. We have to do... Every year he would get, and everybody would roll their eyes and go, oh boy, here it comes. You know, it's time. I mean, churches are, are kind of big families, you know, right? So he would get up. So you know what I did one year? He got up and gave the speech. Everybody rolled their eyes. Afterwards, we stood in the narthex, and I went up to him, and I said, Paul, thanks for saying that. That is exactly what our congregation needed to hear. He says, well, it really needed to be said. And he started to go at and I said, no, I agree with you. He goes, yeah, but you know what it's like? You ever play tug of war? It's like I let go of the rope and he was going, it took him about 30 seconds to figure out I was agreeing with him. I said, you're right. It's better coming from you talking about the budget that way than from one of the pastors in the congregation. And he goes, huh? Think about that in context. What, what kind of different rational response that might have some humor, might have some surprise, might be different, can really change the whole system. Okay, here's your question. We're going to take a little longer time, so take a deep breath. Let everybody have a chance to talk about this one. Again, pass is an option. Go as deep as you can. But do you think you could catch yourself so that you will be responsive instead of reactive? That's the first step. Take some time to talk about that. Okay. Marla says you're smart. So th you, this isn't prepared on, a, on the board because I'm throwing this in for free. <laughs> Take a few minutes, and if you can, you may not be able to, because I mean, this is, really, this is really a deep question, and I'm really asking you to look you know, at the system, and I'm throwing a lot of stuff. We, it would take a while for us to get to this point, you know, at seminary kind of thing. Um, but think about it. Do you, do you think you're an overfunctioner? Maybe sometimes, you know, one who wants to go in and be the peacemaker and try to solve things and do stuff, you know, pick up the slack for somebody else, that kind of stuff? Or do you think you're a person who somehow finds the distance, underfunctions, and wants to pull back? Okay, take a couple minutes and talk about that together. Go ahead. If, and share as much as you feel comfortable again. <laughs> a, a chapel kind of interaction, that's going to be one of my big concerns. You know the story of Joseph 
and the, the amazing Technicolor dream coat. <laughs> you know that story, right? Um, that's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Because every once in a while, I run into Joseph's. And Joseph's change the family, not just for themselves, but for generations to come. Because families tend to keep cycling things the same way. Think about where Joseph came from. How did his dad become the patriarch? He stole the birthright from his brother, right? Tricked him out of it for porridge, right? And then had to run for his life. Think about what his 11 other brothers did. They lied, sold him into slavery, and sent him off by deceiving dad, saying he was dead. So that whole family system is filled with lies, deceit, deception. Who changes it all? Joseph does. Joseph completely changes the family system. He gets sold into slavery, ends up in Potiphar's household. What happens? Well, recognizes there's this guy of integrity. Potiphar trusts Joseph because Joseph has said, I'm decided to go a different way. I've decided to go the way of integrity, not lie and deceit. I'm changing my family dynamic. He entrusts him with a whole household. Then what happens? Potiphar's wife comes along and says, he's a hot number. Come to bed with me. Simple way to jump back into the old family dysfunction. He could have solved all sorts of problems, not had any heartache, but what does he do? He says, I can't do this to my God, and I can't do this to my master. He runs the other way. He ends up where? In jail. Same thing happens in jail. He gets let down by somebody. At that point, I would have said, forget it. This integrity thing isn't going to work. Dynamics are too hard to change. It's right. Homeostasis is too powerful. I can't make a difference. But Joseph perseveres, and he changes everything. He saves his entire family from famine. And when his brothers show up, yes, he understands the dynamics. He understands that if he tells his brothers who he is, that they'll just lie, go back, tell, tell dad, well, we didn't have any success. Never tell him that he's still alive and never be seen again. So he works within the family dynamics, but he still ends up changing it, doesn't he? Now, why is this story so important to me? When I was in seventh grade, my grandparents, my dad is one of eight. He was number seven of eight kids. My grandparents had their 50th anniversary. And as we were setting the table, I was helping. One of my aunts said to one of the other aunts, well, do you suppose this includes the two years grandpa and grandma, mom and dad took off? I'm like, huh? They look at me like, you don't know? No, no what? Well, grandpa and grandma got divorced. They did? I didn't know because they got remarried. Really? Two years off, does it include in the 50th? Does it? I didn't know. Now, one of the reasons I didn't know was because I was part of the younger end of the family. Dad was number seven of eight. And they just didn't talk about it. But nobody was trying to hide it. But you know the other reason I didn't know? It's because I come from a great family. I didn't realize until that moment that my dad was a Joseph. He decided to do it differently. I mean, I knew grandma and grandpa didn't get along. I knew that that wasn't a happy marriage. 
I knew Grandpa smoked a pipe, mostly because Grandma wouldn't let him smoke in the house, and that was an excuse for him to get out of the house and walk his pipe. Even at our house. Where's Grandpa? He's out walking the pipe. <laughs> but I didn't know until that moment that my dad was a Joseph. You have an opportunity as you go home to just start a change. Like I said, don't expect the whole world. Don't expect to change overnight. But you have an opportunity to change the whole system. And where does Jesus fit into that? He's interested in families changing and being whole. 